This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lana Yarikoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Meredith Carey. Hi, everyone. And today we have Megan Spirell, our community editor. And Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Khan, who writes, edits for us, travels the world on our behalf, um, who is actually in the studio with us today. Yay. If, you're, if you're a regular Travelog listener, you will definitely recognize Sarah's voice. She usually pops on, but is always on Skype. And so she's been in the office for a while, and it's very exciting to have her here. Exciting to be here. So this week, we're talking about something that kind of came out of a recent editor's letter for our most recent issue of The Print Magazine, in which Pilar Guzman, our editor-in-chief, was talking to a friend who did one of those things that I think we've all experienced, which is a friend of hers was like, help me plan this trip. And of course, you oblige. And she had this idea for going on this trip with her kids. And as they were talking about the trip, it came out that maybe what she actually wanted was kind of this like fantasy, eat, pray, love experience, which is a little hard when you have two teenage boys hanging out with you. And so that like fantasy trip had to get kind of readjusted because if Pilar had helped her plan this dream trip, it, it was kind of setting everybody, including her kids, up for disappointment because you can't really ever live up to that dream experience. So going in the opposite direction of that, Lale and I decided we wanted to hear both from the Facebook group and from these lovely ladies kind of what places they had gone with zero expectations or with kind of low expectations that ended up becoming kind of that like perfect fantasy trip without any kind of predestined decision to make it that. And maybe it wasn't perfect, but it was memorable and better than the so-called perfect ones you'd try to take. Exactly. And Megan, you have talked about Paraguay before and how this trip because of the people you were with kind of turned into this magical memory. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think like, I, I feel like I go into a lot of different places with, you know, an open mind. I try not to set myself up for being disappointed because we've all done that. Um, and I took a trip, um, where I was traveling by land from Rio de Janeiro to Lima. And my first stop outside of Brazil was Paraguay. And I just thought, okay, well it's on the way. Might as well go like see somewhere different. And yeah, it was really interesting. Like I didn't expect anything. I didn't know anything about it. Met up with some friends and friends of friends. And I tried all these incredible foods that I'd never had. I tried like just these 
uh, this thing called beiju, which is like a manioc flour pancake covered in melted cheese. And I was like, why is the cheese in Paraguay so good? Why does no one talk about that? But I had this really special time that was surrounded a lot or formed a lot around people and food. And I couldn't believe I'd never heard of any of the dishes I was eating or the places I was seeing. And I don't know, that was one of my first trips where I was like, wow, I can't believe I had no expectations and had such an incredible time. I feel like a lot of the places that were mentioned in the, if you aren't a member of the Facebook group, Megan had posted about this podcast asking kind of like, what are the places that have surprised you? And I think a lot of people were talking about this kind of like transit, like it was never intentional. They weren't like planning to go there. It was just part of like an existing journey or somewhere that a friend had wanted to go or kind of something that happened on accident. Yeah. Well, we actually presented this question to our Facebook group, um, which we do before a lot of the podcast episodes, um, to try and hear what everyone else has to say. And like always, it was really like kind of kicked off the conversation for us. And uh, someone named Lauren actually talked about being surprised by Berlin. And it was interesting because I like, I love Berlin. I think a lot of us in this room think Berlin's incredible. I always knew it was incredible. And then I got there and it was incredible. And she talked about how she went to study abroad and she applied for the Munich program and was eventually chosen for the Berlin program and was really disappointed because she had this idea of Germany as this, you know, Bavarian utopia where everyone is at long tables drinking beer together and all the buildings look like fairy tale castles. And she talks about getting chosen for Berlin, being really disappointed, deciding to go and then realizing that Berlin is has such a rich history in a very different way. And I, it was just interesting to hear that take on it. And I think that's the epitome of what we're talking about. You know, you usually it's those places that you think are second fiddle to somewhere you actually want to go and they end up far overshadowing the place that you first thought of. Well, I think it's also like with travel, you try to, when you're planning a trip or you're going to study abroad or whatever it is, like you want to control all of it. Like, it, I mean, with me, it's like down to the restaurants I eat every day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but I want everything to be an incredible experience and it's obviously never going to be. All the places that you think are going to be incredible end up being like a complete disappointment. So I think it is that kind of like mentality of just like letting go a little bit and like giving yourself up to chance, which is kind of what she was forced to do. And I don't know, I think that's like what makes travel great kind of in a nutshell. Well, and I think something else that I noticed in a lot of the comments was people saying, you know, they were going somewhere with a friend and they had their list of, okay, we're going to Thailand and I want to go here, here, here. And then their friend has two other places and they kind of, you meet somewhere in the middle where you go some of the places you both want to go and then a few places that only one of you wants to go. And everyone talked about those being the really special places. And like that also, I just thought of all the trips I've planned with friends where I feel like very rigid on like, no, these are the places I've heard of the best. Like, I don't want to go anywhere lame. Like, I only want to go to the best places. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere like, lame. <laughs> I don't want to waste my time. And then like, you sound fun. <laughs> yeah, right? And then you, you're like, oh, fine, I'll do it. And you get there and you're like, oh, okay. That's Maybe pretty someone great. else does know a few things about travel. It, you know, like, I do that with my family a lot. <laughs> Sorry to my sisters. But it's that. And then you're like, why am I trying to plan it all? And how could I possibly think I'd know the best places before having been there? And, you know, it is letting go and like letting someone else take the reins a little. Well, I feel like, Sarah, like most of the trips that I see on your Instagram are for <laughs> stories that you're doing. So mm -hmm. like naturally have a purpose and are like probably fairly planned out so that you can get the story that mm -hmm. you're looking for. But are there any places in those journeys that you've been like, oh, wow, this was like not why I was coming here and it's the best part of it all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also really funny. I'm sure all of us can relate. When you're in this line of work, people keep asking you, what's the best place you've ever been? And I hate that question. So how I've started answering is what's the most unexpected place I've ever been? And I think... Ooh. 
one thing that really surprised me, and obviously I pitched it, so I was going there for a few specific things, but I was going to the Baltics, and I started in Estonia and road trip through Latvia and Lithuania, and I, I knew a couple of things I definitely wanted to see that were planned for the story, and everything else I was just sort of fitting in along the way, and I feel like the entire trip was such a revelation. I wasn't expecting the food to be anywhere near as good as it was. There were so many quirky little finds here and there. I think the only thing I'd known about Riga was an old friend in high school, like 20 years ago, had done a study abroad there and did not seem to describe it very nicely. <laughs> and when I got there, I was like, okay, how do I find an apartment here? You know, so I think just along the way, and like Vilnius in Lithuania is just the quirkiest, most bohemian little place. And I feel like these are places that I hadn't seen any friends or family that I knew going, and I loved it, and I still to this day rave about that trip. And um, and I just read the other day that Lithuania's new campaign is that it's a G slot of Europe. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we all talked that. about it in the office, and it was, oh man. I, I was like, okay, it's a little it's a, crazy. It's a move. It's I was a, like, but I see where you're going. Trip. I see where you're going with that. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like some of the places that I see pop up on your Instagram and I think that sometimes this is like where the inspiration strikes are places that I was like oh man now I gotta add that yeah. to the list but I think there's some fun part of finding places that you like never even want to put on your list like that place for me is Houston which I was telling everybody before I used to go to Houston every single year, twice a year. Most of my family lives there. We would drive down from Dallas. It's a four-hour drive. I would be like hyping myself up, like, okay, cool. <laughs> we're gonna like go to the mall, and then we're gonna go to the bowling alley, <laughs> and then we're gonna hang Just out like, like our trips house. now, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like it's gonna be fun to see my family, but it's not gonna like Houston's, you know, in my mind at that point is not like fun, right? So I went as a result of doing a big Texas road trip right after I graduated from college. I was moving to New York, wanted to make sure I hit, you know, most of my state, like could confidently come into New York and be like, I am a Texan. I have been <laughs> everywhere. And as part of kind of the loop that we were doing, we're stopping in Houston. So I was like, we only need a day. Like, let's not stay for very long. And my friend who I was traveling with is like a huge art nerd and was like, no, no, no. They have so many art museums. Let's stay. And I had so much fun. It was unreal. The art was amazing. There was never a day where we didn't, we were there for two or three days where we weren't like, oh, we should have stayed longer so we could do this. Oh, we should have stayed longer so we could do this. And now I have to like go back on all these terrible things that I used to say about Houston. <laughs> um, because it truly was like, it was so unexpected. It was a place that somebody else had added. It was somewhere I had been a million times for how do you another think, reason. How do you think you missed all of that before? I mean, I know you're going with family. I but. think that's it. It's that like I never looked beyond what we, and I also mm. had never had the choice, right? Like mm. when I was traveling with my family, you do the things that your family's doing and like that's that. And we were in the minority. Most of the, like, you know, there are four of us and everyone else lives in Houston. So we didn't get to make the decisions and I especially didn't get to make mm. the decisions. So getting to plan my own trip and actually like, figure it out um that there was this whole city behind like you know beyond the places that we went every time that we were in town the restaurants we went every time we were in town which made sense because there was such a big group and so we had to go to these places but no it was just like so magical in a way that like I had never expected and now I want to go back to be able to actually experience all of that even further for more than two days without my family did you see the, <laughs> did you see that GQ just did a massive feature on it the cocktail scene is incredible the art scene you can like go rice university which is in this like really cute neighborhood that's got all these little shops around it has like a james terrell sky space in the middle of campus that's mm -hmm. free that you just go and sit mm -hmm. in and it's like absolutely beautiful to go at sunset or sunrise and i just think that 
for a city that's got the widest highway in the U.S. Like there's so much much more. There's so much incredible food. It's one of the most diverse cities in the U.S., which is also something that, especially when you're thinking about the South and Texas, like those sorts of things don't usually go hand in hand. But Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the diversity of people are there. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. There's so many young people. Like it's just, it's got like all of the big things that you would want out of a city Mm -hmm. and it's massive so like you're not going to be at a loss for things to do which I also think especially when you're like I don't know what I'm gonna do there when you have like so many options that you never even expected it makes that place all the more interesting because you're like wait all this stuff exists here I had no idea (laughs) I think my Houston moment for America was probably Minneapolis I went there on a story last year probably have not thought about that city more than 15 seconds in my entire life. And most of those 15 seconds were probably spent thinking about the Mall of America. So I really knew very little about <laughs> it. Oh, Prince. Prince. That's true. Fine. 30 seconds. <laughs> but then I got there and I was like, the food's amazing. The The city is beautiful. I was there in July. I don't know what it'd be like in January and hope not to find out anytime soon. But it was beautiful, just natural beauty, but it had this really cool orbit. It felt a lot like New York to me, which I would not have expected at all, like a much more small scale, magical New York. It was really diverse, which I was coming from Wyoming, so maybe my expectations <laughs> were a bit skewed, but I, I was just very pleasantly surprised by what I saw there. And I really love thinking that if it wasn't for January, I probably would be happy to move there. So that was my really? Houston moment. That's, yeah. Wow. Was this on your road trip around the U.S.? Yeah, it was. Um, everyone should definitely go to the New York Times and read Sarah's uh, adventures in both country music and um, <laughs> we bonded and a lot that, that was like the beginning of our friendship yeah. was me sending recommendations for her to play um, in this incredible road trip that she took uh, through kind of middle America Boy, thank you publicist it was great. <laughs> just let me know if you need a hype woman um, I'm around Lolly where would you say it was like one of your most unexpected best adventures okay so I was thinking long and hard about this and it's tough because I actually the city was somewhere that I was definitely like excited to visit but it wasn't somewhere that I had like particularly at myself up for because I was so excited about what was going to come after so I last time I went to Athens with the aim of then going you know it was like going to go to a Greek island after so all I was thinking about was going to the Greek island and I had a friend that was living in Athens and I was like oh Food will be delicious. I'll like hit up all the old stuff and like see my friend and <laughs> the old stuff, <laughs> the old stuff, and then go to Hydra, this beautiful, beautiful island, not too far from Athens. And of course, I got there and realized it was like a really young, electrifying city that was so many more things than I realized. It's got an incredible art scene, an incredible food scene, great cocktail bars, um, and also just like a like an energy to it that Mm -hmm. you get with a city that is emerging from being one thing and into another. And the whole reason why I got to experience that was because I was with my friend who speaks Greek and has been living there for a couple of years. And he's also one of those people that like is in a place for a few months and suddenly knows everyone and (laughs) will get into like every party. Those are the people you always need to hang out with. Yeah. And he, um, you know, he took us to this neighborhood which is, I'm going to butcher the name in Greek, so I'm just going to, like, not say it. <laughs> um, but it's sort of known as the, the anarchist neighbourhood, and it's allegedly like a police no-go zone in that there's been so many protests there, and it has this real kind of, like, Occupy feel to it that um, there's, like, an agreement between the protesters and the police that they just, like, don't go there. But 
anyone else can. And it's like super creative and young. There's this big architecture school there that's covered in all this graffiti. It's this sort of mix of, like I said, artists, but also refugees who are living there and Greeks. And it's just like this real mishmash that is very unique, I think, to that corner of the world. And I, we had like this fantastic dinner. I mean, you like go into all the bodegas there and there's like all the newspapers are like socialist newspapers <laughs> in Greek. My friend was like translating them all for us. And we also walked, it was something insane, like 12 miles that day. <laughs> and Athens is pretty hilly. And we were just, he was just taking us to all these different neighborhoods and we'd like stop at one place and like eat some cheese and then we'd like go somewhere else and drink some wine and and I think a real testament to how much Athens surprised me and how much I enjoyed it was that on the first night there I got really bad food poisoning and was in this like bohemian like fabulous bar where like all these like beautiful Greek people were like drinking and eating and I was sat there and was suddenly like oh my god I have to find a toilet immediately <laughs> and it, the toilet was in a basement and there was a metal spiral staircase that you hit down oh, to oh and the toilet didn't have a lock oh my god it was so terrible but you were out i was out <laughs> <laughs> but i survived and um, you love it and i i had a wonderful time food poisoning aside and the food poisoning i actually think was from turkey <laughs> so. i actually think that's like another of the type of reasons you go somewhere you don't plan to is like if you're visiting a friend and every single time I do one of those trips, like you're like, ah, oh, I'm, you know, sometimes if they're kind of out of the way or it's not somewhere you're going anyway, like when you finally go and then you're able to see this place through them and they're able to bring you into their scenes and the places they know. And, and like, those are always the best trips. Like they it can yeah. turn any place into somewhere incredible. Well, that's how, and I've talked about this on the podcast before and I think I sound a bit of an asshole when, when I say <laughs> it, but like, I never like understood Paris mm -hmm. until I visited a friend who was living there. And um, I will second that on like on Paris for me. Same exact yeah. thing. Like until I hung out with Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy, my, um, my friend's husband who like literally just was like, don't speak English. I'll get you in. We're going to this mm -hmm. restaurant. We're doing these things. Don't hang out with your friends. Like we're just going to go and do this like the real Parisian way. And again, like knew everyone, like we skipped every line. <laughs> like it was great. But the three times I'd been before that, I was like, this is super beautiful. But like, I don't. I don't know what to do mm -hmm. again, maybe just cause I was overwhelmed, but I think that like, it's the same thing. One, have a great friend, but also like that, like live like a local sounds so cheesy and kind of gross, but mm -hmm. I think that it gives you a different view into somewhere that maybe like either you didn't have great experience with or you had such low expectations for. Well, then I think it's also if you have like a friend who you trust and like, you know that they know the place you can kind of like, give yourself up to them and you stop being like, I'm going to have the perfect Paris experience. Okay. But my question for you guys is if you, yeah, when you have a friend in Paris, it's incredible or in Athens or wherever, but like, how do you guys do that when you don't know someone? Like I'm still figuring that out. Like when you go, I want to go to Paris and have that experience. I don't have any friends who live in Paris. I don't know of any friends of friends in Paris. Like what do you do? Well, I think I'm in the minority because I actually love Paris the first time I went. I just walked around for six days and I wasn't on assignment, but I still researched as if I were going to mm -hmm. be on assignment. But then I just 
still managed to go with the flow. It was a weird combination. <laughs> I'd also gone um, on like a high school trip the first time I went, <laughs> and we like went to the Champs Elysees and to like <laughs> okay. an underground shopping mall, and it was and that's, that was the your malls. Pharaohs. The malls <laughs> are just killing me. <laughs> I mean, for me, I only went for the first time in my life two years ago, which is mm. very embarrassing to admit. But I just walked, and I feel like certain cities like that you just walk and you mm-hmm. just soak it in and it doesn't matter if you eat at the best baguette place because every baguette is pretty damn yeah. good that's true I also think that like making sure you're not just going to the places that are like on the top mm-hmm. 10 things to do in insert city here even if it's just i'm going to go sit at the cafe that's next to my hotel factoring in time we've talked about this before like factoring in time to like just explore Mm -hmm. and not do like okay we're going to the Louvre and then we're going to this gives you opportunity to either meet other people who are maybe French or maybe not Mm -hmm. or wherever you are or who might just be visiting and might just be like really adventurous and great people to like link up with but it also gives you like again time to just like sit have like no expectations for your time let go of this is going to be the perfect hour and just be like I'm just gonna sit here and watch and see what happens and sometimes those moments I feel like are also like the best entry point to start thinking that way it's kind of like the Paraguay you know of the trips it's like I always want to walk places and I think sometimes you know I'm like trying to get around quickly and I start taking you know Ubers or you know taxis or whatever and when you like walk somewhere it's always the things you see in between Mm -hmm. the Louvre and the restaurant that you googled that is so much more interesting than either of those two places and I think it's also like not forcing yourself to do things for the sake of it like Mm -hmm. on the trip where I like fell in love with Paris I had like gotten up early to go to the Musée d'Orsay and there was like this really really long line and it was raining and I was standing in it and then halfway through I was just like nah yeah like (laughs) (laughs) go get a coffee and then had like a lovely wonderful day and like do not regret the fact that I like I've never been to the Louvre and I'm totally fine with it (laughs) No, well, for me in Paris, I stood in a long line. And this is going to be a very unpopular opinion and probably show <laughs> off how uncultured I am. But I waited in a very long line for the Notre Dame. And when I got it, I was like, it's nice, but I wish I was doing other stuff instead. And I think one of my highlights was, and I love whenever I'm traveling to see where the immigrant communities are because the food is always so good. Like yes. in Berlin, I had amazing Turkish food. In, uh, and in Paris, I had... Like I've, I'm a, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I'm a huge shawarma person, and I very rarely find good shawarmas, and I had an amazing shawarma in Paris. So I feel mm. like doing things like that instead of just trying to see everything. And always kind of with cities like that, you always also keep in mind that I can come back. Like you don't need to knock totally. everything off the list. I'll be back. Well, and one of my like favorite memories, which I will never be able to recreate just because of the circumstances, is one of like my favorite trips that I've ever taken, which was I was studying abroad and we ended up in Morocco. My friend and I were so sick of all the people that we were with <laughs> that <laughs> we decided to live on a boat together <laughs> for six months. <laughs> it's fair. I was on semester at sea and we had done like basically two months in Europe. And I was like, if I go see another cathedral, I am just <laughs> going to lose it. And so my friend and I like picked up in our last, like the port before Morocco, a guidebook Everyone else like planned, you know, trips to the Sahara, trips to Marrakesh. They were getting these huge riads together. It was like 10 people. And we were like, that is like the worst. Oh my gosh, we don't want to do that at all. So (laughs) we ended up going, literally booked tickets day of to Rabat um, from Casablanca, got on the train and we're like, okay, cool. What are we going to do now? (laughs) And went through the guidebook on like the hour long train. We're with none of our friends. We had no expectations because we had not planned absolutely anything. And we had such an amazing time 
because we winged it, we had to ask like strangers for help. We had to talk to them about where we should go. We had to figure out where we were staying like day of and roll up and be like, you got a room? (laughs) 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 We got money. Um, And like figure out how to get on the bus to Chef Shawin and then make it back and like make it back on the ship on time. And everyone else came back and they all had the same story. And we were like, again, like I can go have a Marrakesh experience later in my life. But like that trip of me and Katie zipping around together through Morocco like is never going to happen again Mm -hmm. and it was so great because it was just the two of us with no plans not seeing all the things that everyone else was seeing mic drop Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we're done (laughs) lesson learned (laughs) no but I think like that was such a special trip and again I was telling Sarah earlier like if I go back to Morocco again that's not going to be my experience it could be better it could be different it's just not going to be the same and I think with these places that surprise you, sometimes you have to like go back in with the expectation that it's not going to be as amazing as it was last time to be able to recreate that love of that city. I feel like that's what we're always trying to do when we go places is like put ourselves somewhere so then exciting things can happen to us and we don't have to plan any of it. It's like just get somewhere and the things will start happening, you know? Totally. Totally do. Um, well, one thing I am interested to know is, you know, we touched on it for a second with Paris, but like, what are those sort of so in quotes bucket list places that you thought were gonna blow you away that didn't? Well, I wasn't gonna say this earlier (laughs) because I already said one unpopular opinion, but I will say Morocco just didn't do it for me for some reason. I've been twice and I will, both times I actually had an amazing time, but there's just something about it that I wasn't connecting with. And some parts, but like I was in Chef Shawin 10 years ago before Instagram existed and actually was completely magical. And then um, Fez I really liked, but there's just something overall where I think the hype that it gets for me, just it never quite lived up to that, but I don't have any complaints either. Like I had a good time both times, but yeah, sorry, I have no, <laughs> I have no taste. <laughs> do you have one, Lolly? Um, I do. It's quite unpopular. Well, you know what? It's not like I didn't like it. But I would also say, like that, like in both of you saying like that, it's unpopular. I think that sets all of us up. Like everyone hyping these places up, like already sets up Morocco or whatever, insert the place that Lolly's about to say here. But like, I think that is part of the reason why Mm -hmm. we get all worked up about these places Mm -hmm. is because the hype is so big and then you feel bad for saying that you Mm -hmm. didn't have the same experience as everyone else. Okay, so I had very, very high expectations for Sydney. And I thought Sydney was going to blow me away. But I'm going to say it was also because I was 20 years old and did not know what I was doing. And like, I still really enjoyed it, but I'd just come from Melbourne that had so pleasantly surprised me with how cool and creative and like, I don't know, the food was great and it was just kind of exciting. And I think also it was smaller and because I didn't know what I was doing, it was, I could tackle it more easily. And then with Sydney, like I loved, but it was expensive. My credit card got frozen by my bank. So then I had like no money for two days. So like me and my friend were just like, walking around the streets of Sydney, unable to like really do anything. And then what made it so special was that um, we got on a ferry to my godmother's house. Shout out Linda. Um, it was very We're fab- just name dropping. <laughs> she'll be very yeah, pleased. She'll be very more of my friends. <laughs> she'll be very pleased that she was acknowledged on this podcast. Um, at this place called Danger Island, which is like an hour of you get a train and then a ferry and it's about an hour and a half outside of the city and it was the most beautiful 
tranquil, amazing place I've like ever been to. I like think about it all the time. I like tell everyone about it. And again, it was one of those places that like I would have never have gone if like someone hadn't like invited me to go there. And like I'm desperate to go back to Sydney. I know I'm going to love it. But on that first time I went, it just didn't blow me. I just expected to be blown away. And I like wasn't blown away. I know this is going to be unpopular with one person in this on this table. And we've talked about it before. But I... Oh, I know exactly what's coming. <laughs> Say no, it. I, I was so excited for Rio. So freaking pumped. I was like, we're going to be at that beach. We're going to be hiking. Like, we're going to have a great time. But you know what? I did the exact opposite thing that I had done in Morocco. And we got a house with 10 people. Mm. And then it rained the whole time. Mm. So all of these things that we had had planned, all of this time we were going to spend together, like, on the beach, chilling, exploring Rio like got totally shut down and then because we were a group of 10 and there's no leader in a group of 10 no one can agree on anything I feel like we wasted our time which meant that I didn't enjoy myself there so that's not Rio's fault I mean it's like the rain in Rio's okay, fault fine, fine. <laughs> the weather um no but I think like it's a mix of that it was something that like I think I I mean the fault like lies on me for overhyping it. I think I had like expectations of exactly what we were going to do mm-hmm. and that was like the biggest fault that I could like the worst thing I could have done for anywhere but mm-hmm. I think especially Rio which is so sprawling and has like I think it's really intimidating and then mm-hmm. at that point we didn't have any plans so we just sat I went to the mall and watched oh which mall um, <laughs> it's a real question Rio I don't remember but we went and watched like some Hunger Games movie subtitled oh in English with all these like Brazilian teenagers <laughs> <laughs> um, which was in and of itself like kind of a hilarious experience yeah. but again like you're in Rio like yeah but that's still my mentality like you want to be doing stuff you have and I yourself didn't. on the beach and you're doing yeah and like I think that if I had had this like be in Brazil mentality and like not like be in Rio (laughs) Um, it would have been different I think also that's a lesson that you learn when you get older when you're in a big group situation like that and you suddenly realize when you're older that you're (laughs) but if you do happen to be say by some terrible turn of events (laughs) because you're on a bachelorette party (laughs) you can also just like escape yeah. and leave yeah. you can do what you did with your friend in Morocco like you yeah. can just and just like come back to the apartment yeah. at night I think that that was the fatal decision yeah. it always kills me when Meredith tells that story I'm like ah oh, but I have so many ways I could fix that trip for you but <laughs> it's I mean that's the other thing is like it is sometimes a lot of pressure when you're giving other people recommendations because there are so many places that are so close to my heart because of the time I had there that like with all these things we're talking about, like we'll never be recreated. And I don't know, it's hard. Like places are special to us for that. And you know, it's that one random restaurant, like it wasn't special, but it was. And then you send someone there and they just yes, don't get okay. it. Yeah. They like, like don't understand why you like the saddle <laughs> yeah. donuts or whatever it is. You're like, why did that not change your life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You. you know, and I think it's like on both parties' sides, like just knowing that it's so much of it is you can't recreate, but you can hope that like by having the different destinations to plot on your trip, then the magical things will happen in between. And, happened to you I don't know what is your underrated honestly I think well this is kind of a different answer but a place that I've had a very long and changing relationship with is Bangkok I think people primed me to like you love it or you hate it like 
the cooler people I know were like, oh, it's great. And they could see why like this gritty, crazy city was so interesting. Um, but a lot of people told me, you know, when I was traveling, um, when I did a few trips to Southeast Asia that, you know, it's everywhere else in Thailand is beautiful nature and more relaxed and, you know, land of smiles as their slogan goes. <laughs> and, you know, Bangkok just crazy and someone's going to run over your foot and there's a rat running like across the street. And that sounds like New, like New York. York. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like exactly here. And I was just like, oh, and it's like, it's just so insane and it's stressful. And, you know, when you could be on this beautiful beach in this private <laughs> island and like... I like I, the voice change. Yeah, thank you. I'm really trying to set the scene for you guys. And I think it's, I've been there like 10 times by now, just like in passing to other places, you know, anyone who know, who's been to Southeast Asia knows you're always going through Bangkok. And um, like the first few times I was like, oh my God, another, like an, another night in Bangkok. Like what's going to happen to me this time? Like how stressed <laughs> am I going to be by the time I leave and how many layers of grime and I, am I going to have to like shower off each night? And the next time, you know, by like the third time I was like, well, that's really good food. Like, you know, I'd get my foot run over by a tuk-tuk for some more of that food. <laughs> and then each time I was like, wow, I'm kind of, craving like walking down one of those streets and having a million people screaming and all these crazy smells and they're not all good but they're all interesting and like I, I think eventually I came to like be really in love with it and I think I don't know that was somewhere that everyone who's been to Bangkok usually either has no opinion at all and doesn't care to talk about it or has a lot to say and I'm one of the latter now and I love it reformed I feel like I was I'm a convert like that in a similar way for Johannesburg I lived in Cape Town for a few years and Cape Town is such an easy city to love and, and the rivalry is <laughs> intense <laughs> yes and I feel like I've always heard that like Joburg's a really cool city but then the crime scared me away like I, I don't know I just and I went there several times while I lived there and it was literally my last trip before I moved back to the States I was there on assignment reporting a story and I, f I finally was like, I get it. And I was like, why do I have to get it now? Like two weeks before <laughs> like the timing was terrible. But And I've been back once or twice since too. And I think it's just, I can see why it takes a while. You have to kind of, like Cape Town, you see why it's beautiful. The second you're in the plane touching down, It's you can't miss the beauty. Whereas Joburg, you sort of have to scratch that way at the surface and you have to know the right people to get you into the right scenes. But once you uncover it, it's amazing. And I'm sure you could speak to that a bit. Well, no, I mean, I think that, so my mom lived in Johannesburg for a little bit. And, you know, we had a similar sort of mentality because most of our friends moved to Cape Town. So we would always go to Cape Town to see everybody. And only a few times have we been to Joburg. And it's one of those things where, you know, she will talk about Cape Town all the time and how incredible it is. And like, I am, you know, advocate number one for it as well. But every time we go to Joburg, I'm like, oh, like, this is so great. And it's like this rough and tumble cousin that you're like, you still love because mm -hmm. they like are pretty dang cool. And yeah. you're like, okay, I want you like sometimes and then I want like the really put together <laughs> person the other times and I think like both serve an awesome purpose for mm -hmm. getting to know the country mm -hmm. and just like how the country runs and works and all of its complicatedness yeah um I think it's kind of like the perfect example of that is these two totally different cities that I think you have to like learn that you can love both yeah. because this like narrative is put out that you can only love one yeah but they're both such special, totally different places. Yeah. But yeah, that point of like, you know exactly what you're getting when you get to Cape Town. Exactly. You have no idea what you're getting into when you get to Joburg. No. And I <laughs> feel like it's like there's some cities where you don't need to have an entry point. You don't need somebody. You can figure it out. Like, I, in my opinion, Paris is one of those where I'm sure it'd be great with a local, but without it's also great. But then Joburg is one of those things that if you do have access to people on the ground that can show you some of the really cool neighborhoods, 
that makes all the difference. Whereas Cape Town, you can just go for a hike and fall in love. And my pitch for if you don't know anyone in Joburg, because odds are like that is fewer and further between if you're not a journalist, mm-hmm. um, stay in an Airbnb where the host mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. Because one, private rooms are actually so much less expensive and like more interesting. I know that for a lot of travelers, that feels like crossing too far into the <laughs> couch surfing boundary. But I really think like if you want to talk to somebody, even if you're not going to hang out with that person the whole time that you're on your trip, like just having an insider look into like, okay, where should I actually go to eat? Like, where should I actually go out tonight? Where should I like, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I think that that is a really good starting point, staying in an Airbnb where the host is around in a private room. You know, I actually did on a recent trip that answers my own question from earlier is whenever I was in Sao Paulo in Brazil and I every time I was going somewhere and I was taking an Uber I did an Uber pool and I was like like I kept being like you know I'm just spending time alone like in the car and I was like you know what I'm gonna start doing pools and I you know maybe not everyone's gonna speak English but it'll be interesting and that was like one of the highlights of the trip because Sure enough, especially in Brazil, everyone who got in the car had something to say, wanted to talk. <laughs> like, And it was so interesting because it just like you're already in this environment that feels kind of com- open to conversation. And, you know, people realize you're not from there and they want to ask you questions. I'm like, it was so fun. And then I also like was, you know, would like the song I'd hear on the radio. And I'd like get out my Shazam and like be like, ooh, I, I'm getting such great music recs from the Uber. And <laughs> like, that was so fun. And I would do that anywhere I go now is like do a pool instead so I can meet people. When I think there are like all of these opportunities in this like sharing economy world mm-hmm. that we like live in at this point where you can go on like meetup.com and like go find people who live there that have similar interests as you and you've already got like a starting point even if you're you don't live there and you mm-hmm. are just wanting to get new friends that will last a weekend which are sometimes the best kind. <laughs> um, but I think yeah like you know hopping in an Airbnb hopping in an Uber, hanging out with strangers, even if like confidence wise, you don't feel comfortable going up to some stranger at a bar, which is our other like sit, <laughs> sit at the bar. Sit at the bar alone. Just towards the bartender. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have many best friend bartenders. Yeah. I don't even drink alcohol, but I'm friends with all the bartenders. <laughs> there they'll, we chat, go. they'll chat to anyone. Exactly. Um, but I think just like putting yourself in a situation where like there is no power, dyna- like everyone's on the same playing field sets you up for success as far as meeting people. You and I will say with the Facebook group, something that makes me so excited to see is people will post in, you know, our women who travel Facebook group being like, I'm in Paris this week or I'm in Barcelona and wherever, like, is anyone around? And it is incredible to see people respond to either live there and are like, yeah, I am like, I'll take you to my favorite tapas place or whatever. Or, you know, other people have tips or they know someone and like, And then you'll see the thread like a day later have a photo of like two women in front of this really famous place in that city. And it's really cool. And I think like I before, you know, this group like might not have thought that the Internet would have such wonderful things happening (laughs) in it. But it's like in a group that's just for women, like it feels safe to be like, I'm here. Who wants to meet up? And it's nice to see people doing that and like having positive experiences. That's amazing. The internet can do good. <laughs> Who knows? Can, it really can. Well, if you want to be a part of that, you should go onto Facebook and join Tiny Ass Travelers Women Who Travel group. It is so many members strong. And Megan is going to give you the best pitch right now for a meetup that is happening very soon. What's the sitch? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so actually, yeah, we've started doing like organized meetups because we realized that 
you know, people are having fun meeting up around the world. And so Rachel Coleman, another moderator and I, first we did one in New York, which we did with Meredith and Lale, which was really fun. And then we went to Chicago um, in July. And next month we're going to, on September 13th, we'll be in Charleston and we're actually going to do our third Women Who Travel meetup. And it's open to anyone. So if you go in the group, you can find the RSVP link. It's free. We'll have some good food. We'll have some good drinks. And you can meet other women who like what you like, which is travel. Other women who travel. travel. <laughs> and Megan, I think you actually have a second plug. I, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> now they've given me the mic. Um, yeah. Well, another exciting thing is we're all... I don't know if anyone listening, um, you know, has been to South by Southwest or follows it, but obviously it's a very cool music festival. No. Or lives in Austin. Or lives in Austin yes. or anywhere nearby. In has the a whole car. state of Texas. Yeah. America. Um, <laughs> the world. Um, every March in Austin, there's, you know, the music festival South by Southwest. And at the beginning of it, they have panels where people speak on a bunch of different topics. And this year, there's a chance that all of us will be at South by Southwest speaking on a different, a few different panels. One of them is a live podcast from Travelogue, the other Kindness Traveler podcast. Um, we'll have a few of speaking on different issues related to women who travel. So if you want to see us at South by Southwest, you can go to sxsw.com. Mm -hmm. Just visit South by Southwest website and you can type in Kindness Traveler and see the different panels we're going to be speaking on and vote for us before August 30th. And Lale and I are super excited. We were there last year, recorded an awesome episode with a bunch of women who are working to save the ocean. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't already. But it's such an awesome time. The talks are so great. They actually all stream online afterwards too. So even if you can't go, if you want to hear from us talking about the things that we are going to talk about, if we make it to South By, you don't have to necessarily be at South By to be able to see us talk. So True. vote for us if you want to hear us. We like talking, so... <laughs> we have until August 30th to get as many <laughs> votes as possible. So exactly. Help us. Um, well, Megan, you are going to Columbia over Labor Day. Where can people find your adventure? Yeah, um, you can follow me at Spirelli on Instagram. And Sarah, you're always all over the place. And <laughs> where can people find you? At by Sarah Khan. My favorite thing that Sarah does is have people guess where she is based on very limited clues. So if you want to play a really competitive game, you should definitely follow and her. And there's no prize whatsoever, but people get <laughs> so into it. Like they're Googling flight patterns. Like it's insane. So what? you guys should, you oh, guys I'm should join. Play that. I love it. Well, I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. And I'm at Lale Hanna. You can read a bunch of stories that Sarah has written, that Megan has written, that Lale and I have written on cntraveler.com and follow all Shameless of our... Shameless plug. I interviewed Anthony from Queer Eye. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, you can read that and a lot of other <laughs> things. And you can also follow us at CN Traveler. Join the Women Who Travel Facebook group. We'd love to have you. And we'll, you'll hear from us next week. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker and host of The New Yorker Fiction Podcast. On the podcast, I ask a great contemporary writer to select a favorite story from the magazine's almost 100-year archive to read and discuss. Together, we delve into the story, exploring its themes, its style, and what makes fiction work. You can listen to authors like Otessa Moshveg talk about why we write. Story, or attaching a story or creating a story, is this inclination that we all have to stop spinning. And you can hear writers like George Saunders discuss the nature of storytelling. 
on the first read you accept these things as descriptions and they make you see the scene, but every line is a chance to inflect the reader's mind. You'll discover new favorite authors and read old favorites in new ways. Episodes of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast are released on the first of every month. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.